0: Hello, everyone. This is God Talk with Tara, and I'm Tara. Um, We are going to dive in with prayer tonight and get rolling along, running a little behind. So, Father God, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for the weekend. Thank you, Lord, for the release of um, so many things this weekend. I thank you, God, for your presence, and I ask you tonight, Lord, that you would Fill my mouth with your words, that you would make me small and magnify yourself, that you would amplify the voice of Christ to his people, that you would speak, Lord, and that we would hear. I pray, Lord God, that all that need to hear the words that you have for them tonight, that their ears would be open and that they would know what it is that you have to say to them. I pray that it would be, in the end, encouragement, Father, that it would be uplifting, That we would be grounded, Lord, in your word. Sunk in the vine, Father God, and filled with your life. We thank you, Father, for your light and your grace. We thank you for your son. We ask in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. So I was back to the seedbed daily uh, wake-up call today. And... (laughs) It's been a really busy week this last week with school, so I'd kind of gotten a little sidetracked over a few days, and the weekend always comes, and my son and I don't typically do devotions over the weekend, because we both have other things that are usually on our schedules those days. So, as I was coming back to this after scrambling through the last of my research papers and picking my other son up from the airport and having that turn into an all-nighter, which is not in my normal these days. um, I was feeling a little discombobulated because I have been off kilter with this for the last couple of days. I missed Friday and Saturday and was really not able to come back and do this on a Sabbath night, which is probably just as well. Um, So this morning, I was hoping that the Lord would speak. And well, he does when we ask. So we are still in the Lenten series for the wake up call. And we're still working our way through the passage on um, Jesus in the wilderness in the book of Luke. And we came to the place this morning where it says the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And it's interesting because Dan is moving very slowly through these passages. And there's a reason for that. So I had started doing something called the scribes of the scripture at the beginning of last year, and it was writing through the Bible um, between seven and 10 verses a day starting at the beginning and doing it in chronological order. So we went through the first little bit of Genesis and then into Job. Um, I fell woefully behind. I am still not caught up and I am still very sporadic in when I do that. But one of the things that I discovered as part of that is that you see things differently when you move slowly enough to pay attention to the words of Scripture It is not frequent when we read as Christians, when we read the Bible, it is not frequent that we typically will slow down and really pay attention and let the words of a passage jump out at us in ways that we haven't seen before. And when I say in ways we haven't seen before, it doesn't mean that we are implementing our own understanding of the text or grafting something on it that isn't there to begin with. All it means is that oftentimes, because stories rely on our imagination and they rely on our visualization of a process, uh, we will pick up familiar stories that we read and we'll just skim through them and we don't really pay attention to all of the words. And in instances with scripture, where you're reading very familiar stories, a lot of times there will be pieces of the passage that you just really have never paid attention to before. That if you stop and think about them, they really make a difference in in how you understand what is being communicated. So this was one of those this morning uh, for me, where Dan was like, Jesus allowed the devil to lead him somewhere. So normally our thought is we don't, let the devil lead us places. And that was Dan's thought too, is, you know, that's the difference between Jesus and us. If we do that, we're in deep, deep trouble. But I think the fact is there are times when the enemy will lead us places and God allows that and we are called to follow not the enemy, but the will of God. And the reason I say that as I'm I'm contemplating this, I don't like disagreeing with Dan because he's brilliant and he's making absolutely perfect points in this. Don't get me wrong. But when I think about that, I recognize that the devil led Jesus to the cross. Jesus went because God had commanded it. And I think that's one of the things that we need to understand is that sometimes God will call us to be obedient to him and knowingly we will have to follow our enemy to places that we maybe might not want to go, that we recognize as dangerous, that we recognize as possibly very detrimental to us. And when those times come, we really need to be secure in knowing who we are and whose we are. We need to be invested in God and have him be invested in us. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and in communion with the Father in heaven. We need to be wrapped up and hidden in Christ. When we come to those moments where we are called now Dan goes on to talk about the high place that Jesus was taken to. so this is this is the moment where the devil leads him up and offers him all the world in front of him. And Dan cautions us against getting a big head essentially in this in this uh, devotion today. And I get the caution. and I don't think it's mistaken. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. But I also think that we need to understand the concept of humility in a biblical sense. The warning here is against coming to a place where we think highly enough of ourselves to equate ourselves with God, where we think it's our job and God's job, where we think that we are in control and He is, you know, just making our plans work. Uh, There is a, a temptation in human beings to have that kind of an attitude where we fail to keep our place, where we don't recognize that God is God and we are not. And it is very critical for us as Christians to recognize that, as servants of the Most High God to recognize that. We have to know that God is God and that we are his servants, that that is our role. We also are his children. Don't get me wrong. I I get it. We're children of God. We're heirs with Christ. Um, There are a lot of folks that are in the habit of calling themselves queens and kings and princes and princesses. And I don't necessarily object to that because sometimes we really do need that reminder that we are part of the royal family, part of the royal priesthood. We are heirs to heaven. It is good to know that. But we really need to understand what that means because if you think about that, the heir to heaven, Jesus Christ, the heir to heaven, died on a cross, flogged, he was stabbed. And he was buried. So as heirs to heaven here on earth, we can expect very similar treatment to that. We can expect that we are here not to be served, but to serve. That we are here to carry the message of Jesus Christ in the way that he carried the message to other people. At the same time, we need to understand that we are the advanced party. We are the vanguard of the kingdom of heaven. And we have been sent into enemy territory to rescue the perishing. And there comes a time with that where we require boldness. And this is one of the most difficult things in the life of a Christian to really get a handle on that on the one hand, we are to be meek <laughs> and humble. And on the other hand, we are to be bold and firm and stand tall in a lot of ways, not because we're proud, but because we are a beacon for others who are, who are failing and falling. And so one of the things that, um, that Dan hit on today was a verse that I absolutely love in chapter 12 of Romans. So, and it's interesting reading Romans, there's a lot here, but we're going we're gonna to touch on this really quick. Um, so this is just after Paul tells them not to be conformed to the world, that we are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds um, so that we can discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And he goes on to say, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now he goes into a discussion here of the gifts that have been given in various proportions to the people of God. It's for the building up of the body. But this is sort of a critical understanding when we think of humility and when we think of being humble and, and remaining in the place that we have been assigned by the Lord. It is not self-effacing. We're not called to grovel on the ground. We are not called to be doormats. We are not called to be in retreat from the world around us. We are not called to be in retreat from the devil. We are called to understand ourselves rightly In relationship to God, we are called to understand ourselves rightly in relationship to one another as ambassadors for Christ. We are called to understand ourselves with sober judgment that we do not think more highly or more lowly of ourselves. We are supposed to think with sober judgment. We are supposed to assess who we are in Christ and then behave that way. So what does that look like? I want to go to another verse because God has really had this verse on my mind for about a week now. And it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are actually going to go through a good chunk of this chapter. I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Um, Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ or is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. Um, and I'm going to stop right there. So Paul often comes off as kind of arrogant, but the reality is is he's not. Um, we know that he was a follower of Christ. He was a devout and zealous follower of Christ. He talks a lot about the meekness and gentleness of Christ, and that is being a requirement for those who follow Christ that they are required to be meek and gentle and humble. And yet what we see here is Paul very, very forcefully condemning sinful behavior. We see him very forcefully calling people to repentance, calling people to account. We see him very boldly and fully and completely proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, proclaiming the coming of the Holy Spirit, calling on the people of God to walk worthy of the calling that they have been given. We see Paul essentially speaking very clearly and without apology the things that God calls him to speak. And so obviously, humbleness and meekness and gentleness do not necessarily equate to the things we think of. Oftentimes, when we think of meekness and gentleness and humbleness, we think of people who are quiet, who never speak up, who never argue, who never contradict, who never make people uncomfortable. And I cannot say that I imagine Paul was ever a person who could be accused of that particular kind of meekness. We have read Paul's letters, and I guess he is saying here that there are those who say that when he's there in person, he's not nearly this bossy. But I find that difficult to believe, given some of the accounts of Paul's preaching in various places. There are pretty strong words there as well. So when we look at what it means to be meek and gentle, when we look at what it means to be um, humble, we need to look at the other concept that, that Dan was touching on today. One of the things he said was to be willing to back away when you get on the high places that you need to back away before the devil takes over. And I don't think that necessarily is true for us all the time. I think the Lord puts us in places sometimes. And even if the devil leads us to those places, there are times when we have to trust God will make us stand where we have to be submitted to the Lord and he will have us in places where it genuinely can be. Um, and either or. The fact is there's always the potential for us to fall in those places when God exalts us. And the word says that he will sometimes do that. When he exalts us, there are times when that can test a person's faith and cause them to stumble and fall. Now we trust that the Lord knows that and we trust that he will uphold us and that he will show us the temptations that the devil is trying to put in place But that does not mean we are able to back away from the things God calls us to. And so we have to be careful with that. I think at the same time, the point that's being made here is we shouldn't be climbing those places ourselves, nor should we be seeking to be in high positions for the sheer purpose of being in those positions. The Lord lifts his people up when he is ready. And... Whatever our position is, as far as in authority in the world, whatever our position is um, in our family, in our work, in our churches, the one thing we definitely have to keep in mind at all times is our position is always face down on the floor before God. Our position is always in humble submission to the Almighty. Our position is always servant of Christ. And as long as that, that's sort of where Paul went with that is that, you know, those who are trying to set themselves up in comparison and cast aspersions need to remember that yes, they are in Christ and yes, they belong to Christ, but so do the men and women that they are looking down on and condemning. And there's no comparisons there. That was sort of the the problem with James and John and wanting the right and left hand beside Jesus in his kingdom is it's not about ranking and it's not about your name in that kind of a sense in a worldly sense. So when the Lord lifts you up and he gives you a reputation of strong repute and he gives you a position of authority and he gives you a platform and he gives you words to speak, um, That is a good thing and a blessing and you should do the things that God calls you to do in those spaces in the way that Jesus would have you do them, but you have to recognize that that is simply a tool for you to spread the kingdom because the Lord has chosen you in that moment to do that job and tomorrow he may choose someone else and tomorrow you may be chosen to do something completely different and in the world's eyes much less prestigious but just as important. So one of the things that we have to remember with that concept of tearing down strongholds, and that's really the part that that has been coming to me the last couple days, is that though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So pride is one of the big strongholds for men and women. Um, and the weapons of our warfare are designed to draw, to, to tear down those kind of strongholds in us to allow us to walk in the paths that God calls us into, even when the devil walks us down those paths. Now, what do I, why would I say the devil might walk? He does. Um, so some of the things that, I have been faced with, with people that I love dearly right now is they are undergoing what many would consider persecution. Certainly they are undergoing having bad things said about them and, and lies propagated. Um, and the Lord requires that they stand firm and proclaim that they are blessed and highly favored in spite of the circumstances that they find themselves in. The Lord requires of them right now that they stand firm and proclaim the glories of the Lord and proclaim that he is faithful even in the face of adversity. And that is a miserably difficult thing for us to do. As prideful human beings, number one, we don't think we should ever face adversity. And number two, if we do, we should be triumphant immediately so that we can toot our horn and say, look what God has done for us. How amazing. And we think that that's the testimony is that we have been delivered and overcome and that we have been exalted. But that isn't the testimony. The testimony is that we have not been destroyed, that we have been crushed and pressed and we are being poured out daily for those that are around us. And the Lord is sustaining us that though our bodies wither, we are being renewed every day in our hearts and in our souls and in our minds. That is the kind of thing that it is very difficult to do if we're walking in pride. Um, and so when we look at things like understanding how to function when the devil leads us somewhere and God allows him. And I think that's the other thing we need to understand is that when God allows the devil to lead us somewhere, when God allowed the devil to lead Jesus to the cross, when God allowed the devil to lead Paul to a Roman prison, when God allows the devil to sift Peter There is a purpose in allowing these things and our job in those moments is to remember the glory and the goodness of God and to allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and point to Jesus Christ and God the Father and their faithfulness and their goodness and their strength and their protection in those moments that they are able to deliver we stand with shadrach meshach and abednego in the furnace and we say to nebuchadnezzar our god can save us but even if he doesn't he is the only one worthy of our worship and if we get thrown in the flames so be it that is the kind of thing that as christians we need to come back to a place of recognizing that that I think one of the largest strongholds we see in Western Christianity is the notion that we should only have it our way. That if God is answering our prayers and if we are blessed and if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing and we are in Jesus, that everything in a temporal sense, in a worldly sense, will be good. That we will be blessed, that we will have what we need, that we will never be hungry, that we will never suffer, that we won't get sick, that we won't have problems, that we won't be persecuted, that we won't be in conflict, that we will win every battle. This is the message that we so often hear. Come stand up on this high place and look down and I will give you all these things if you would only worship me. God never says to us that we will have every earthly desire that we have. And in this nation, we have a really hard time differentiating between desires and needs. But the reality is, is when we look in scripture, we also see that God supplies all of their needs in his own way. So when the Israelites were in the desert and they were wandering, God did not sit them down and give them a golden corral buffet. He fed them manna from heaven. And they got very whiny about that and were bored with their their menu. And so God also sent them pigeons so that they would have meat to go with the manna. But God didn't continuously send them all sorts of different things. He sent them what they needed to get by. And even then they were still wandering for 40 years in the wilderness with tents because they weren't yet obedient and they hadn't quite learned yet. They were still in a place where God did not provide them with abundance. And it was not because he could not provide them with abundance. It was because at that time they had not learned to rely on him. And if he had given them abundance, they would have fallen. And we see the same thing in our lives today. So when the devil leads us places, whether those are good places or bad places, as Christians, we need to be looking for why has the Lord allowed the devil to lead us to this place? And what is the Lord trying to do in these places? We need to be submitted to God to protect us from submitting to the devil. So this is a, another concept, um, and I'm not going to go too far into it, but one of the things that we miss in scripture a lot because we don't like the terminology and it makes us squirmy is that we as human beings are created to be slaves. Now we get twitchy because in our corruption and our sinfulness and our misapplication and misunderstanding of scripture, we at some point in time, and I don't mean this as you and I in this generation, in this nation, I mean this as human beings, as far back as before the flood, we took that inbred Building to be slaves to mean that one of us should be able to own another. And at that point in time, we went very, very off the rails. But the reality is we are indeed actually built to be slaves. We are built to be bond servants of the Most High God. That is a part of the relationship that human beings were created with was to be in submission to the Almighty God, even as his children, even as his bride, even as Christians, even as his beloved, we are still made to be in submission to God because he is God and we are not and we never will be. We will be in eternity with him. We will have eternal life with him. We will not ever be God because that's not who we are. And so we are created to have that submitted relationship with God. And as long as we are submitted to God, our receptors are full. In other words, if we are submitted to God, we are full of God and we are fully protected by our master because we are fully submitted to him. But when we rebel, when we pull away from the Lord, then our flesh and our minds begin to seek a new master because we are required to have a master. It's how we're built. And so our master will either be a sin of the flesh, something that will pull us away from the Lord. It will be ourselves. It will be another God. It will be an idol. will always be an idol of some kind, but sometimes we're into self-idolatry um, and we become our own gods. And when that happens, we are vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. So when we find ourselves in a battle, when we find ourselves fighting we need to remember the battle that we're in is not necessarily against other people. It is against the powers of darkness that want to come against us, that want to slide in between us and God, that want to enslave us. And he's tricky. And so he will use temptation um, to do that. But the fact is we have the ability to resist that but that comes with accepting the name that god gave us and that was the other thing that that popped in this that really kind of struck me and had me scrambling to casting crowns again to listen to only jesus what dan was saying is that the devil will lead us to these high places that seem like the fruit of our labor paying off And he will very subtly encourage us to make a name for ourselves. And that's not what we're called to do. I have no interest in making a name for myself. If I died tomorrow and nobody ever knew my name, but they knew Jesus's name because I had been talking, or I had been acting and I had shown them, that would be my greatest desire and love. I do not care if my name is ever known. And yes, I know this is God Talk with Tara. There's a reason for that. That doesn't have anything to do with me wanting my name known. That had to do with God Talk was already taken on the podcast um, servers. <laughs> so I had to find a different name that wasn't but the reality is, is, it's not my name that's important, and it's not your name that's important. It is God's name. Yahweh, Jehovah, Yeshua, Jesus, Almighty God, Christ the Redeemer, Holy Spirit. His name is important. And your name is important. We've talked a little bit about names. Your name is important, not because the world needs to know it, but you need to know it. You need to know the name that God has given you. Beloved, child of God, servant, ambassador. Ambassador is probably my favorite of those ones. Redeemed is still my favorite, but ambassador is probably my my task-oriented favorite. We are ambassadors for Christ. That means we are his servants to do his will in the world. If we will remember our names, then it does not matter where the devil leads us. And it does not matter whether we are elevated or on our faces. If we will remember our names, then we can say with paul that i have learned to be content in want and in plenty and wherever we find ourselves whether that is up in front of a crowd of thousands or whether it is locked in a cell in a prison we will proclaim the name of the one who called us out of darkness into his glorious light that is the weapons of our warfare We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The weapons of our warfare are the testimonies to the amazing things that God has done. His faithfulness, his light, his grace, not just what he has done, but who he is. The almighty God that we serve, our testimony of him, our glorifying of him are the weapons that we use for the tearing down of strongholds and we can do that because we know that we are his beloved we are called by him empowered by him given authority by him to be ambassadors for Christ and the kingdom of heaven and to proclaim the good news of the gospel repent for the kingdom of heaven is near father god I pray that you would help us to know our names. That you would help us, Lord God, to come against the strongholds in ourselves first. In our churches, in our families, in our communities. That we would come against them, Father, with the weapons of your warfare. With the names that we have been given. And most importantly, Father, with the testimony of who you are. I pray, Lord, that every word out of my mouth, every word out of the people who are listening, Father... Is a testimony to your goodness, a testimony to your greatness, Father, to the awe and wonder we hold that the creator of the universe loved us so much that he came to make us his and that he desires us in his kingdom. Father, thank you for that testimony. I pray that each one of us would personalize that with the ways in which you have called us, the ways you have moved in our lives, and we would share it, Father, far and wide, particularly when we are in the midst of adversity. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your light, and we thank you for your Son. We ask that your Spirit would just continue to move and draw us. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.